he was all kinds of cheesed off about. Did you wait? Did you say cheesed off? Is that a thing? I did. I did. Cheesed off. Who knew? Feel free to uh, give it a good home. <laughs> give it a good. I home. guess that's. I guess that's how the podcast is opening, huh? Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the 1st. The elves are on shelves. Um, They may have brought pets with them, apparently is now a thing. And, uh, yeah, speaking of things, uh, Virginia coming off of a brutal, um, I, I don't know any better word to describe it, uh, brutal loss to the Hokies on Saturday evening. Um, probably of all the tech losses, excuse me, the losses to tech that I've seen, that one's the worst. Um, and now we get to talk about it for a while on a podcast. Who knew? Uh, 2924, we will obviously discuss that and so much more. Uh, let me go around to my esteemed panel this here evening. I don't know if I've ever done that, but that was fun. Uh, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? How do you freaking think it's gone, man? It's freaking <laughs> miserable. Like Lucy pulled the ball again, man. <laughs> Busting my ass again. Uh, who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber's also on the program. What's going on, my dude? Oh, good. I thought you were going to go to introduce me and then introduce an offensive lineman instead. Wow. Um, wow. At Justin, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And managing editor Damon Dillman and Charles was also on the show. Damon, how are you? Okay, I guess. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thanks Damon for Damon. having me. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional uh, witty banter. Um, wasn't a whole lot witty about that uh, that second half Saturday night. Uh, in the pantheon of ways that I thought that that was going to go, I, that just wasn't on the list. Um, Virginia just could not get anything going uh, offensively. Cavaliers scored a sole three points. In that entire second half, um, you know, Tech, Tech, it's funny, Tech only scores 12 in the second half, but it just felt like a lot more because of the situation and because of sort of where everything was. Um, I, I think we should all just kind of go around to start this and have a status check. Uh, Dave, we're going to start with you. We always start with you. Um, <laughs> there's a seniority thing going on here, I guess. Give me a, give me, just talk to me about the last few days, man. What's, what's it been like? How you, how you living over there? I mean, every day is a little better. It's, um, Saturday was rough, man. Um, I mean, I was trying to kind of put my thoughts together for tonight and I was like, you know, they're going to ask about how the game was and all that stuff. But, and I was like, well, you can't, like, I don't even know if I can talk about the game without talking about the play, right. You know, the play on third down, um, but then I realized, like, you know, and my analogy was going to be, it's going to be like, you, you can't talk about the play Lincoln went to and not talk about Lincoln being shot, right? Um, you start with Lincoln getting shot. But the problem was, it's like, 
this this was worse than that. This was like Lincoln got shot multiple times, and they kept bringing him back because he was all right. <laughs> they kept letting him get shot again. It was painful. Um, not because, like, you know, I think even in the games Virginia's been favored, you still had that question that, yeah, you know, like in 18, like, you know, they were favored by a few points, but Bryce's first game in Blacksburg, how are they going to play? Um, the 19 game, it was just so much on the line. You still had doubt. So, but this game, like, I mean, you guys were at the tailgate. I mean, I've never been that confident going into a Virginia Tech game. Um, so when it ended like it did and when the mistakes happened that did happen, it just compounded it. And then watching all that stuff transpire on our field after the game just added salt to the wound. Um, I mean, I, I made the joke at the tailgate, like we didn't see as many Hokies going into the stadium as we normally see, like they were much more subdued. And I made the joke, if they win, it's going to be like roaches. They're going to come out of every, from everywhere. And that's what it was like. Um, and then, you know, having a Hokie wife and <laughs> Hokie fan daughter, I had to get it together pretty quick because they walked over to my section. They didn't get so many. Um, and it was a very quiet ride home. And that's pretty much how the rest of the week has been. Um, I'm going to call my own number here. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what Dave just said about. That's better know, than some of the other numbers we've seen called this week. Wow. You know, it's I, I think the part that sticks with me is up until the fumble, right? Up until um, Blumrick fumbles, it just felt like the same sort of script. And then it it was almost like you didn't have any hope. Hope had you know had vacated the building, right? And then all of a sudden, Tech made a mistake that that, that they that the Hokies very rarely make in those games. Like normally in a situation like they just salt the thing away and you know, step all over your your dreams, right? But they made the mistake, put the ball on the ground. Virginia actually recovered it. How many times have you seen that happen where, you know, it was so close and they didn't even get a chance? And then it was like all of a sudden the offense is awake. They're they're marching down the field like a hot knife through butter. And it felt like in that moment, like, yeah, this is going to happen. But I want to circle back to something Dave said because I, I this might be therapeutic for people. You were not wrong, Dave. You were not wrong, person out there listening to this podcast, if you went into this game feeling confident, okay? You were not wrong. Virginia was the better team. Virginia had the offense that should have put up a lot more than 24 points. The defense, while anemic, uh, is good enough to make a handful of stops. Against this team, that should have been enough. It should have been. And you were not wrong to feel confident. And if and if the role, and if and in, in the future... If Virginia has another dude who's about to set the ACC single-season record for passing yards in a season, even though he made third-team All-ACC, and Damon tells me that's the way it should have gone, but I digress. Even if that's the way it happens, again, do, be confident. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing like weird or like superstitious about being confident because this should have been a game that Virginia should have won. Full stop, end of sentence, end of paragraph, send. All right? The fact that the Virginia Cavaliers did not win this game has everything to do with how absolutely terrible some of these decisions were in the second half. All right, And if you're frustrated out there, don't be mad at yourself for being confident. You should have been. Don't be mad at yourself because you went into a Tech game thinking that the silly you that the Who's might have been able to win it. You should have been. This was that year, and they let you down. But like this should not have happened. And it did. And it's, it's just ridiculous, honestly. Like... That third down call, I don't care if you thought, if you saw that, if you saw Tech's defense make the same mistake against 13 different teams over the last three seasons, making, taking the ball out of your best player's hand again on third and goal 
in the biggest drive of the season, right? Possibly the biggest drive of Broncos' career in Charlottesville was the worst decision I've ever seen on a football field. I've seen a lot of dumb stuff in my day. That was absolutely atrocious in every fashion. And for Bronco to come after the game be like, well, we liked our chances. Bro, come on, man. I, come on, man. Like, that was a terrible call. And if, and if accountability is a thing, if earned not given is a thing, own it. Like, if that's the mistake you wanted, if that's what happened, let it be. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think one of the things that has lasted with me is, is since Saturday is the number of people who are, like, feeling bad that they were confident. And you should have been confident. Virginia had the better team. Virginia had the best player on the field. It's a, tra- it's a travesty that it came down to what it came down to and the decisions were made the way they were made. Now, I'm not, I'm not a football coach. All right? I, I have not done this my whole life, da-da-da-da-da. I'm a dude who sits behind a microphone. All I'm saying is, in the real world, those decisions were terrible. And they shouldn't have been made. Accountability would have been good there. Like saying, like, hey, you know what? We, we, ma- we, ma- we made some mistakes. But just saying, like, oh, we didn't make plays, that doesn't, that doesn't encapsulate it. And I think that really speaks to the frustration that is just rampant in the fan base. And honestly, not really sure how they un- you know, how they, they put that toothpaste back in the tube. Ferber, I'm going to open the floor for you now. What have the last few days been like for you? Give me a status check. Yeah, a little different, honestly, than – I mean, I agree with everything you just said, 100%. Um, I, it, this one was a little different because, you know, like the 2018 game, for example, down in Blacksburg, like we were there. That one, it felt – well, that one was like the Charlie Brown, like you had it and they, they pulled the ball out from you, right? Like it was right there. They came back. They took the lead. They went in overtime held him to three and then kind of like a fluky play and it goes the other way. And there were like a bunch of weird plays on the way there. This wasn't like that to me, this one, the night I I was more like angry than, than like devastated. If that makes sense, just because like you said, the, the, just the totality of how it went down the whole game, like there, there were certainly, I mean, I'm not going to say like the coaches, the coaches can't really, it's not their fault that like they threw a pick and fumbled. Like, for example, like that, that's just bad plays happen. Um, but like, I felt like there were a few issues throughout this game that were, I don't want to say like unforgivable for like the staff, but they are on, like, there are mistakes that they won't be forgiven for, right? Like the, and, and the thing that is, and I'm sure we'll get to like a more big picture conversation but the thing that was the most annoying or upsetting or, you know, whatever, is that last week against Pitt, they had, like, I talked about this on the show last week, like the thing that killed them was the attention to detail, the little things, right? Like jumping off sides on a field goal, special teams issues, not having the right number of guys on the field, um, coverage, blown coverage assignments, missed tackles, stuff that like is avoidable that stuff has plagued them throughout the season at different times. Um, on Saturday, you saw it again and in a big way, like <laughs> sending, you know, we'll get to the play in a second, but like sending a punt block on fourth and 22 when you're going to get the ball at midfield is idiotic. And I'm not a football coach, but I know that it's stupid there. You have one of the best passing offenses in the country. You have two minutes. You're going to have the ball at midfield. You're up a touchdown. There's absolutely no reason to have anybody near the punter. 
I don't care if you told the players don't hit the punter. Don't put them in a position where they might. Like, that's just bad coaching. And if you're not going to take accountability for it, then it does undermine a lot of the things that you say that this program is about. Um, And we've seen that. And then I think this is why it's such a frustrating loss. Is this loss a fluky, random thing that happened? Or is it more of a, like a culmination of things that we've seen all year with the defense in particular? It's the latter. Like they, they, they refused to, to change a lot of stuff. They changed defenses in the off season. That was a disaster. Um, you know, they're running the same guys out there, especially in the secondary. That's not working. We've seen that like well before Saturday. Um, at one point I looked at Dave and they showed the stats on the scoreboard and I was like, they gave up 300 yards of rushing already. This is like halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, and to be honest with you, they could have lost by two scores if Tech's quarterback doesn't run into his own guy um, and, and lose the ball there. And, and, and obviously, Brennan did get banged up at the end, and that I think that did kind of stymie the offense's ability to get going. Um, but, like, those little things – and then the decision the, – the, the throwback pass, like, I think the most frustrating thing to me was – to and I knew this was coming because this is how it always plays out. And, and I think Brock was a good football coach. I think he's done a lot of good things. But there are times where he has these weird blind spots where, like, he doesn't manage the clock right or whatever, and he doesn't seem to understand that he did or he won't take accountability for it in the press, which are both problematic. For example, that U- that UConn game way back, remember, he was like, we managed the clock perfectly. Um, and basically, like, the, they had to run a, like, a, a guy that had never kicked a ball out there with no timeouts to kick a ball. Like, and of course, he missed it because they didn't have enough time and he was like oh we managed that perfectly and it's like no you didn't you can just admit it we, we all saw it and 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 the on saturday night i mean he's not calling the offensive plays and robert and i deserves a lot of credit for making uva's offense much better this year in terms of the passing game specifically but that's one that somebody has to override i don't care if Anaya just decided to do it or if there was some sort of like group decision to do it or somebody has to be like wait a second it's third and eight on the nine or whatever. Like we have a great quarterback. We just moved the ball down the field in like two plays. We have like 20 guys to throw to and we can run the ball. And, and like, you just can't call that play there. And to say that it was, it, it, you know, it can work. It has worked. That's just ludicrous. Like, I mean, even if it worked in practice one time or whatever, cool. Tech was in a zone. They were in I looked back. They were in zone to play before too. So like, if you're in a zone, you're not going to give up a touchdown there. And that play was like, he was closer to the 30 when he caught the ball than the end zone. A lineman. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, you can't do that. And to, and to they put this on themselves by doing this. Like, and it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to, like, embarrass yourselves. And they found a way to do both in a game that they should have won and really needed to win against a team that was kind of on the way, you know, out of a lame duck season with an interim coach at home. Like, there's just no excuse for it. And I said this before the game. Like, how we view this season would have a lot to do with the results of this game. And, you know, on the one hand, if you win that game, it's like you won every game you were supposed to, you beat your rival, you went seven and five, four of your losses were to ranked teams. One of those was without your quarterback. Maybe there's no harm done there and you just need to fix the defense. Now it's like, all right, you beat pretty much nobody except for Miami and Louisville, both on last second field goals all the other wins were against like terrible teams. You got blown out a bunch of times. I think every loss except for Saturday was by double digits. So it's like, what did you accomplish this year with all these record setting offensive numbers? Like, 
and and they deserve credit for that but like there's just something fundamentally flawed here um and it's causing the program to sort of stagnate where they are um and, and if that's what they are whatever but like it's going to be hard to beat tech when you play like that. And and they've done it too many times. Damon, before I let you go, I want, I want to chime in on a couple things Ferber just said there. First off, I think his characterization of them doing both, right. Is, is completely spot on. And I think that's the thing that has, has continued. Like every time the fire goes out, like that's the thing that rekindles it for me is that it's one thing to lose, right. It's another, it's one thing to go out there and you know what, uh, you know, Brendan was banged up, so that, and I think that's a fair point. Like he was not a hundred percent anywhere close to, even though he, we all, we all know he wasn't a hundred percent even going into the game, but he was clearly not himself, which makes the first down, first and goal call on to have him run even weirder. But I digress. But I, I was prepared to come to this podcast this week, as I told Tony Covington walking down the ramp after post game. I was prepared to come on the show and be like, listen, over the years, a lot of us have have said a lot of things about Virginia's offense and the, the, you know, Dave's famous thing about, you know, sentences and paragraphs and things, which I, I use that uh, all the time, Dave. Um, but I was prepared to come here and say, listen, the dude, the dude really, he, he, he's, he's put it all, you know, he's put it out there now. Like clearly the offense works, you know, all of the, um, you know, all the noise, it, it was wrong, right? Like, I think Brennan Armstrong is a hell of a quarterback. I think he's extremely good at what he does. I don't think he's good enough to do it just on sheer talent. Like, a lot of this is the scheme, and a lot of it is the way that Anai runs it. Certainly, not to be, you know, sort of lost in the shuffle, is the talent that Virginia had at wide receiver, which if you think back to the preseason, our conversations about that and how much better this group ended up being than we all thought. But anyway, my point here is, is that they somehow managed to do both. And even though Brennan was banged up, and even though – um, you know, even though they're, you know, they, they had a couple of receivers with the cases of the drops and such. I get that. But like, you could have just lost, but you didn't just lose. It was the fashion. And I, and what's fascinating to me about this is if you think about it in a, in a vacuum, right? One game is not that big a deal, but to Ferber's point just a minute ago about like how, how different things feel, how, you know, uh, how, how this game and this result and the way it all played out, how it swings that opinion, right? Like you look at the season, and, and and if they win this game, even if they do it, even if Brennan they get the ball back and they go down, and they score. You know, fans are like, well, look, we sh- you know should have beat them by three touchdowns, but he, you know what, may, you know, good enough, right? That's how that would have been the vibe Saturday night, right? But people would have looked at seven and five, and they would have felt co- just not even just differently, considerably differently, right? But because of it, and to Ferber's point about you know some of these things cropping up, like it does make people kind of look at it and go. Was this really going to work? Like, is this the right, is this really what, you know, should be happening? And the fact that we're having that conversation after a dude goes out and he's going to break the ACC, unless he decides to skip the bowl game, obviously, he's going to break the ACC single season passing record, right? F- who Set by a guy who played three extra games. That's bananas, man. The fact that, that we're even having this conversation in and of itself is frustrating. Take away everything else, right? The fact that you have the conversation is frustrating. Now, Damon, you are typically very even-keeled. Uh, I used to say Ferber was the most even-keeled of the show. You have clearly replaced him because I think you are someone who, <laughs> um, you know, you approach things very, very measuredly, if that's a word. I thought the take two and then your piece Sunday afternoon about the the equity and what was lost, I thought those were like 
the best one-two thing that the site's like ever had. I thought the two of you guys just crushed both of those pieces. I was thinking about writing a column, and then I read both of those, and I'm like, well, nobody need, nobody needs to hear from me because y'all, you know, you carried the the torch and 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 did it well. In the days since then, since you you wrote what you wrote on on Sunday, has your have your feelings changed at all? Are you more resolute? How how have the last few days been for you as you look forward with this program? Well, at first it took me a while to wade through all the BYU people getting at me, getting into my uh, mentions on Twitter. Uh, took me a while because, but I mean, I joked with you about that earlier in the week, but I mean, I actually kind of learned from that too, because they were interested in the stuff we churned out on Sunday after the game, because it was an all familiar, all too familiar uh, scenario for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they were all kind of reveling in the fact that, that the problems they had with Bronco at BYU have become the problems that UVA fans have with Bronco here in Charlottesville. Uh, and this is what they told us we were getting too. They were like, he's a good coach, but some of the stuff is just a little weird, like yeah, off the and, field and on the field and not able to beat Utah. Now, yeah. not, you know, now, now it's Virginia tech, but I mean, I think you guys, you guys have, have covered, you know, you've, you've gone over a lot of the, the, the high points. I just, the thing I kept coming back to as I left that game on Saturday, even while I was still sitting there getting stuff done in the press box on Saturday, just kind of looking around the empty stadium and then Sunday morning. And as I was writing Sunday morning and then Ferber's thing showed up in my inbox and, and the thing I kept coming back to is all the people who left that game on Saturday, all the UVA fans who left that game on Saturday um, or who were watching it on TV, turn the TV off and, and they've been lost. They've those fans are lost. Now Bronco is not going to be able to win those fans back. Not just with the fact that they lost that game on, on Saturday night, but for all the different reasons that everybody has laid out already, how they lost that game and the play call. I mean, I, I'm still like bewildered at that play call. I, I was texting friends of mine from Pennsylvania and I was like, you have to see what UVA did last night. Like you are not going to believe this. Like it's it. And you try, you can't explain it to them that you can only send them the, the video and, and they have to see it for themselves. It's the most, it's crazy. I mean, again, I, we don't need to keep belaboring that point, but but yeah, I, I just keep coming back to the damage that was done. And, and, and I don't know if it, if it can be fixed. It's how do you fix it? it? It's it's people have tuned out and I don't know what gets them to tune back in. I don't know. Maybe if you go undefeated next year, I'm sure that'll get people's attention. But but that's a not exactly a realistic scenario, probably. But I I don't know. The other thing I keep coming back to and, and I talk to people and it's just it's just like all the, the, the attention to detail kind of things you guys were talking about. So much of this stuff has become almost Mike London esque. And, 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 and that was supposed to be what Bronco was going to come in here and fix. This was the guy who paid attention to every little detail. The, the stuff I wrote over the summer about how they paid attention to every little detail in those spring practices and those preseason practices back in 2016, when they were building the culture of this program, they just seem to have gotten away from that stuff. And, and then you combine that with the stuff you were talking about. Actually, I think we were talking about this before we started, but, but the CEO nature of the program now Broncos role in the program. And it's almost like the inmates are running the asylum to a certain extent. And Bron Bronco is allowing it to happen 
the best example I can give you is, hey, let's run a throwback to the left tackle with the season on the line at the uh, the nine yard line with however much time was left on the clock. And, and it just how, how he didn't step in and say, yeah, I, I understand that it's been working in practice, but this is not the time to put everything on the line on something like that is just astounding to me. And he I mean, you guys all heard it. He backed that play call uh in post game on saturday night and, and and doubled down on it and again that just that just astounded me and i almost was wondering if we would get robert and i after the game on saturday if he because he's been known to volunteer sometimes in those kinds of scenarios i read i think after the navy no it wasn't after the navy game that's when he's that's when yeah, he said he was told that's not sore to subject <laughs> yeah sorry I, for I, some I, former I, beat writers <laughs> but uh but no but anyway my point being that it's just this 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 is not a great situation right now and it's 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 astounding to me and i mean you you look at where tech was going into that game with with they fired justin fuente they had an interim coach they needed to win that they were five and six and and it just it's i remember tech Brad, you and I were texting at some point in the leading up to the game. And we were like, can you imagine if they lose to tech on Saturday? And we were both like, yeah, actually I can't imagine that, but it's just like, you still kind of never, it seemed like such an implausible scenario because of the way the matchup looked on paper. And we all kind of laid that out last week. And yet now here we are. And it's just, and then it started, it started off looking like, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. going to take care yeah, of business, even if it's kind of close. Um, but yeah, like I just want real quick, like, it's not just like how tech was this year though. It's how tech has been over the last six years. Yeah. So like how like many times, even. like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to put Mike's losses on Bronco, obviously, but like, look at the teams that he lost to. I mean, the team that he beat was actually kind of good. Like they went eight and four. Um, but like he lost last year to a tech team that I believe was four and five. And people thought Justin Fuente was done. And he won that game. And then this year, the 2018 game down there, um, you know, they, they needed to win that game and then win a makeup game to get to a bowl. Um, the first two years, I'll give them a pass because UVA was pretty far behind. But, like, they've now lost three out of the last four, and all three of those Virginia Tech teams were pretty bad. Um, UVA and, is the better team in at least three of those games. Right, and they were favored in two. And then this time was like, okay, now you can even take out the Blacksburg part of it. Like, you, there's no, you can't put that on them. You know, it's like it's a home game. And last year, I, I wouldn't even really say the Blacksburg thing mattered. There was nobody there. So, I mean, yeah, it just, that sort of stuff is starting to become more of a problem, obviously. And then, like you said, like, I think the, the throwback pass is sort of his version of the Mike London timeout thing. Yes. Like, where it's like, that's where you start to lose people officially yeah um it took a lot longer than right. mike right but it feels like a like a like you're kind of going over the dam now um and he's got it i mean maybe he can win people back but like yeah you know yeah the, the problem with the throwback thing like it, it was just a killer like i mean i'm sure we'll continue to discuss it tonight <laughs> but you know when we're sitting there at halftime um you know i think virginia was up a 21 to 14 17 because yeah. the blocked punt no, penalty no, led to them before the punt. Yeah, they, yeah. they punted. They held tech three and out. Defense finally made a good stop. And then, Justin, I turned to you and everyone in the section. I was like, we better not get near this dude. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. And, I remember we were talking about it. We were like, yeah, yeah, no, no penalties here, no fumbles, and you're in good shape. Like, and, and I was absolutely beside myself. It made zero. You've already mentioned it. Made zero sense. So here's my problem with that play. Like, how even the best punt block teams, and Virginia's not the best punt block teams, they might block that punt one out of twenty times, right? But this offense, after scoring on what I believe was three straight possessions prior, it was to that, three. They had four drives four. to that point, and they had yeah. it was touchdown, touchdown, interception, touchdown. Okay, so yeah, three of four. Yeah, this that, the offense was probably sixty percent likely to to get points on the board, and uh-huh. you know forty percent likely to score a touchdown. Uh-huh. And that game is over. And like, then you get the ball, and you get the ball to start the second the, half. Yeah, then you're coming out second half, and you know we can discuss like that's another problem with this team. Like the third quarter, for some reason, the offense has sucked and the adjustments. Like, so basically, Tech played zone the whole first half. They came out third quarter, played man. We were still running zone beater, um, pass street, you know, pass combinations. And they were jumping routes. They, they almost picked off like three or four balls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the play before the throwback, I had to go, I went back and rewatched the game. It was almost a pick. I forgot about yeah. that. And we took forever to adjust. We finally adjusted, you know, later in the, in the half, but, um, and then, you know, let's take of the safety. The safety was lucky. Like at the point when we, yeah, we ended up getting the safety, I looked at you and said, maybe that was better for us if that was a touchdown so we can get the ball back. I was like, there'll be the-, the best case scenario was a safety. Like, worst case is like you give them the ball on the one. Like, I mean, I guess you could, you'd still have a chance to score twice, but yeah. You know. And then they do an onside kick, right? Out of the free kick, which we, Debated if that was a logical that that probably made sense given where the defense. I'll let that one slide. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Like you can argue yeah. with three timeouts, but with this defense, any like I'm up for onside kicking to sure. start the game. Quite yeah. Frankly. Um, but then you know they get a that gift. You know we've been talking about during the game too. That every time that quarterback came in, he got hit and would spin around. I was like, eventually that ball's gonna fly out, and boom, it did. There, Bronco had like a horrible, <laughs> so many bad mistakes. Tech gifted him a chance to make everyone forget about it or just be a little, a footnote like that would have been worrisome. Right. And then that just that play added to all that stuff that had happened before just makes it even more not mind numbing because the coaches saw all the bad stuff that happened. Why make that mistake? And not only was that play terrible, that was a backwards pass to Officer Wyman. Like, you know, at least if it was a tackle eligible play, and they threw it to him in the flat, and he had coverage. He could just knock it down. Like, he had or to if, catch that ball. Or if he was in the end zone or something. Like, if it yeah. was a throwback where he was, like, running into the end zone or something, I yeah. would still be like, that was dumb. But at least that's not, like, a play where he has to run 20 yards. And, you know, watching it live, I thought, well, maybe that makes sense because Tech wasn't playing man most of the half. But Tech wasn't playing man those two plays. Tech flipped the defense. If, if it had been against man defense, they might have scored. Um and it's but not like even it's if not he like might you couldn't, have scored, you couldn't figure that right? out the line. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if he might have scored, the the thing that got me on the way home, like during the complete silence in my car, because I couldn't say anything nice. Um, I was thinking about all those Al Gro teams that had like Art Thomas at wide receiver. I was like, you know, that team with Heath Miller and a bunch of good offensive linemen and converted defensive backs playing wide receiver. I could see them throwing this play. Right. That's what makes it so <laughs> egregious. And it's like it's not like you have a bad quarterback or something. No, and you've got like they were playing zone. You know, D- Dak, you know, Dak Prescott is dropping against Jelani Woods. Give me that play four times. 
Dax Holly. Let's see what happens. I mean, <laughs> Dax Hollyfield. Okay. That's got to be pretty funny. Be yeah, but now you're mismatch right there. But yeah, yeah. both number four. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Pre- like, I would give Prescott a better chance to stop it. If they yeah. had run, if they had just, if they had just run like a Keaton Thompson draw there, I would say like third and eight from the nine or whatever, right? Third and eight yeah. from the nine, you give the ball up to, to to Thompson up the middle. I would say you have like a twenty percent chance to score based on his previous performance. Uh, and like an 80% or maybe there's like a 10% chance something bad happens, but like a 75% chance it's either like fourth and three or like you're on the goal line or you scored. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was calling for that in the stands. Like I was like, cause at that point it was clear. I was, yeah, I was saying run run the ball. I was saying run the ball to get the clock down. And then also just to get, make it, Hey, if you do need to convert a fourth down, it's like fourth and three. And then you have the whole offense available to you. Yeah, and you got you've run all these plays with multiple quarterbacks. If you want to do something tricky, use one of those dudes, not, mm-hmm. not Bobby Haskins, who, by the way, is a great offensive tackle. Has to live with this now. Like, yeah, I was gonna know. say I, earlier. I was I, one of the things <laughs> uh, yeah, I, not I jotted fault. down yeah. is that I, the guy I feel worse for is Bobby because, like, you know, he he executed that thing perfect. <laughs> I mean, he did he did what he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? I felt bad for him. Yeah. The funny thing is, if you watch it, like he's at left tackle. I mean, you guys have yeah. gone back and looked at it. He does like a spin move, and then <laughs> oh, yeah. like in the process of doing that, like goes back like four yards. And I was like, "How is it designed this way?" Because he clearly <laughs> did that on purpose. You know, yeah. It's like this play is just a bad play. Like it's a bad football play for any scenario. I don't understand why you would think it would work in this one. And then also when you're down there in that situation, losing the game, you got to just be like, "We got to throw away all the stupid stuff and just run good plays." Like, yeah. Right, and on. I just I gotta, kept thinking gotta, back to Keaton fumbling, like. I wanted Keaton to have a chance to make a play right there because knowing the kid he is, like he would have run over four dudes to, to make up. Especially for that after he fumbled, yeah. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable. Right, for, real quick, I got to get um, – I want to take a quick break. Um, I've got Andy Ludicky, um from MyPerfectFranchise.net to talk a little bit to you today about um, sort of where things are. Well, we actually talked about the, the coaching carousel first, um, which we're obviously not going to touch tonight. Um but we, we talked a little bit about that first and then talked a little about some uh, some franchises seem to be hidden. So let me, uh, let me let me let you hear that for for just a minute. Andy, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Brad. How are you doing, man? Uh, not too bad, brother. I appreciate your time. Obviously, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty busy uh, landscape out there for for you, for a guy who, who hangs out on a lot of message boards. I can imagine that uh, it's a it's a treacherous go depending on which site you go to right now, right? Like it's uh, that coaching carousel is just a spinning and a spinning, isn't it? It is. It's. I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my I guess twenty some odd years of following recruiting. I've never seen this many blue blood, you know, top five, ten programs have changing of the guards at the same time. Um, and we're That's not done wild. yet, obviously. So no. yeah, no. it has been nuts. I can imagine as a Texas fan uh, watching Lincoln Riley leave Oklahoma for uh, USC was I would imagine you were it was kind of fun for you in a way right like to see to see o- OU spurned in such a fashion. Well, so here's the deal, you know, when Texas is good, we always like to make fun of of Aggies for uh, being losers, but glorifying in our our uh, dismay or whatever. Misery, well, right, now right. we are the losers. <laughs> and I'm relegated to really just enjoying when other teams go south. And so the implosion at Oklahoma is a moral victory for us right now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big one. I, you know, Lincoln Riley's not going to be allowed in that state for 
many, many years to come. I would be scared to go back. Uh, those those hillbillies will <laughs> not enjoy seeing him <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, I kind of feel that way, you know, UVA fans and and uh, you know the watching from afar as as, as Tech goes out and hires its new coach and. Um, he kind of looks like Justin Fuente light to me. I mean, you know, obviously different backgrounds and and certainly his connection to Texas is different and everything. But it's just funny because uh, I think Virginia fans, certainly after the way uh, that game went the other day, um, certainly, you know, feel feeling very similarly watching Tech's uh, coaching search come to a, a, a conclusion. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely the craziest I can remember. I, I mean, the idea that somebody would leave Oklahoma willingly, that someone would leave Notre Dame willingly, um, the idea of Brian Kelly in uh, in Baton Rouge, I still can't wrap my mind. I just, I just can't. I, I literally can't see it. I mean, when it happens in the fall, and they, you know, they have you know video that rolls in from Baton Rouge, right? I'm still not going to believe what I'm seeing. Like my brain is still going to be like, no, nah, this is a, this is not, this is fake. This is this is some weird, you know, deep fake stuff where you know this is not really him saying these words. He's not really on that sideline. I just can't wrap my mind around it. It's an odd thing, man. You know, Brian Kelly, he's leaving Notre Dame when they are, they're really on the doorstep of yeah, a, of a they're like playoff. Right there the, yeah, right exactly. Now. That's wild to me. And he's like, sorry, man. Bye. And like, wow. Just, oh. And he's, he just doesn't fit the mold of a guy down there. He's not from the Southeast. I, I don't see him having as nearly the success that he has at Notre Dame uh, yeah, down no, at LSU. Either. That's just, I, 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 you know, he just, he doesn't attract uh the the positive attention that a lot of other coaches get you know he's not a well loved embraced you know coaching figure out there and so like as a texas fan i was not jealous that he went to lsu and we didn't get him last year i, I don't want i don't want brian kelly yeah uh, i hear you so yeah it'll be interesting to see how he does over there i, I i'm guessing he's not going to do as good as he did it at, at at notre dame and he might be there for a handful of years before they get tired of him yeah, and then they're gonna because I mean I don't know if you saw his contract details, but the la- the out years of his his contract are just absurd. Um, now I don't know I don't remember off the top of my head if if what I saw from from his off from the sheet was you know if it included his buyout at any point, but I mean if, if this thing doesn't work, dude, they're gonna be paying a whole lot of money. I, though I mean I'm not sure if 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 which one of them USC or, or LSU would be paying more, but we could um, mm-hmm. we, this coaching carousel this specific year. Um, we could talk forever. Let's 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 get back a little bit on topic, though. Um, obviously, you know this is a busy time of year for a lot of different people. I'm curious in your business how how busy of a time is this, and 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 how are things going on the franchise front these days? Well, for me personally, in the in my my two businesses that I own, uh, it's it's pretty hectic right now. Um, things don't slow down in the the garbage space, uh, no matter what time of year. And uh, in home care, things get hectic just because of holidays and um, our caregivers having their attention diverted a little bit. And so hopefully they stay on point with us. But in the franchise world, um, really, for me, as a franchise consultant, it slows down a little bit because we got so much going on over the holidays. Uh, A lot of people need to take care of their family first before they really focus on buying a franchise. So, you know. This is a little bit of a slower point in time, but overall in the franchise landscape, uh, as far as franchise ors and, and what they're doing, I've seen some really cool things go on with some emerging brands out there. And I think that's something that I'd love to talk to you all about a little bit of, is, is what's really hot in the franchise space these days. Uh, 
both in the brick and mortar world and also in the service-based business world. Yeah. So what, so what are you seeing out there? So first of all, brick and mortar, uh, I love kind of giving the, the kind of the, the history of it, you know, brick and wall mortar is what you see in a strip mall. Right. Um, and really all of those businesses are what we call semi-absentee businesses where the manager runs the day-to-day and the owner manages the manager is not involved in the day-to-day business. Um, really a great business model for somebody that is either keeping their day job or for somebody that's got a few other businesses and they're diversifying. Uh, because of the semi-absentee nature, brick and mortar isn't the greatest fit for somebody that's leaving corporate America for a full-time owner-operator position. So anyway, brick and mortar got hit really hard during the pandemic. Um, social distancing, as well as non-essential business uh, functions made brick and mortars close down uh, or operate at less capacity than usual. And some are, are still maybe even feeling that still today. So brick and mortar kind of slowed down from a franchise or sales perspective and franchisee uh, performance perspective. They got hit pretty hard. They're coming out of that now. And the brick and mortar franchise that I'm seeing, I think fitness is taking a, it's getting a, a, a renewed life kind of coming out of pandemic right now. And the number one fitness franchise bar none right now is a, is a uh, franchise called Rumble. And Rumble is now owned by Exponential Fitness, which is a Goliath in the franchise world, especially in the fitness space. They might be the biggest in the, in the world. They own Pure Bar. They own Cycle Bar. They own Club Pilates. They own Stretch Lab. Uh, Yoga Six, the list goes on. They got about 10 different brands. Rumble is one of their newest brands. It's got a lot of celebrity backing Justin Bieber, Draymond Green, Sylvester Stallone, Rihanna, Kevin Hart. They're all early investors in Rumble. And now Exponential has bought Rumble and they're just taking it to the masses. Uh, so I love that one. It's kind of a CrossFit workout with a, a water based punching bag involved in the workout to really kind of give it a good branding uh, identity. The Rumble punching bag is kind of the, uh, the symbol of who Rumble is. But anyway, I love Rumble on the brick and mortar side. And then on the service-based business side, those businesses thrived during the pandemic. They, they all had year-over-year growth, um, hmm. something that obviously brick and mortar didn't see and we didn't expect out of the gates. Uh, pandemic slowed them down, you know, March, April, but then they were deemed essential and, and everybody's been staying in their homes. Homes have become become more expensive. Uh, so service-based businesses have thrived. And the one that I'm seeing that's thriving the most and has the best feedback from current franchisees, which we call validation, is Mighty Dog Roofing. Mighty Dog Roofing uh, is a newer brand, but it's got a seasoned leadership team through, the, through a, uh, a, a parent company called Horsepower Brands. And the roofing industry has no major national competitors. It's quick to ramp. It's high average ticket. Uh, so you don't need a lot of volume to get to a big number. It's uh, non-invasive in the home. Your, your roofers are, are 1099 guys and they're climbing up a ladder, doing their job, climbing down a ladder. They're not going into the home, bumping into the face, talking awkward to the kids. None of that's happening in the roofing world. So, I really love Mighty Dog Roofing as a service-based business, but really anything when you think flooring, you think painting, you think insulation, uh, roofing, whatever, anything you do to a home is thriving right now. And those are all what I call service-based businesses. 
Good deal. Well, Andy, tell the folks how if they're interested in how they can get up with you and, and, and talk to you about, you know, finding the, per- the perfect franchise for them. So easy to contact me. My website is myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, you can email me at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And you can call me or text me at 404-973-9901. Good deal. Andy, thank you very much for your time, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. Awesome, Brad. Thank you for your time. Hi, right, buddy. My thanks to Andy for, for coming on the podcast. And obviously a, um, <laughs> a tough week to, to find a natural spot to, to drop that in there. Uh, all right. First, yes, I felt terrible for Bobby Haskins because that poor kid, I mean, man, of all the moments, you know, because like he had that one, it was him, right? They were in the Orange Bowl that they call back, even though it was legit. Yep. He was legal. All right. But then the other thing I keep thinking about is aggression, right? How many, I don't, I mean, I guess I can't speak for everybody else here, but, but watching Virginia during the Bronco era, there have been lots of opportunities, in my opinion, where like, UVA could have been more aggressive, right? And you and you can look at a situation and say, well, usually it's the aggressor who, more often than not, who wins the game, right? There's a mindset to that. There's an edge to it. A lot of times a team that is more aggressive. And Bronco is a very conservative coach, right? The punt block and the throwback to the, to the tackle, okay? They are technically aggressive plays, but I think they are so like overshadowed by the complete lack of like time and space, right? And it's almost like they went into this game hoping uh, it reminds me of like whenever Mark Zuckerberg talks, right? You're like, you can't this is this is not normal, right? Like you're, this isn't this doesn't feel right. Like it's almost like they went into this game thinking we've got to be more aggressive to really beat them. And and they almost had a mindset you know, made a focal point of like, when there are opportunities to be aggressive, we're going to be aggressive. My issue with that is not the aggression part. It's the when you chose to do it part and how, like of all the moments for you to, to, to decide like, Hey, we're going to be, we're going to do the aggressive thing here. Like when they, when they threw that crazy pass against Abilene Christian and the whole thing was like, Oh, he read off the wrong line. I this play happened and I was like did he read off the wrong line again? Like that's and 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 ultimately like Bronco, you know, you know s- s- defending and everything. Like if you were going to be aggressive, there were a 100 opportunities or more, right? For you to do that. Those two moments were the exact wrong times, right? Of all of, like if you could if you think through the game, right? When were the absolute worst times to be aggressive? Those were the two, right? To your whole point earlier, you guys were talking about like you know setting you up into, into halftime and everything. I firmly believe, and nobody's ever going to change my mind on this, I have been down on the field before Virginia-Virginia Tech games for a long time. That is the first time that I also, I've ever, ever thought Tech looked flat. Right? Tech did not come to Charlotte. And I don't care. They can say whatever they want now, and I, that's fine. You know what? Fine. Anybody can disagree with you want. You're not going to convince me. I have seen those dudes, they're like caged animals just chomping at the bit to get the game going. These dudes were flat. They wanted to be anywhere else. The game got going. They realized they might win, and all of a sudden it changed. This was a classic, like, you never let the team sort of hang around thing. 
I like, thought it was weird, by the way, like, this is probably only for people that were in the stadium noticed this, but they came out of their locker room, like, seven minutes early. And I was like, well, what were, is going on? They were doing a lot of, like, walking out of the tunnel, too, which they historically don't do. And, and I think there were some folks on the Virginia sideline who thought maybe they were, you know, trying to screw with them a little bit. Yeah, but I was I, like, this is weird. Like, But, I mean, I've never seen a Tech team that was that flat. Now, maybe they all took an oath before they left the locker room. They're like, we're going to pretend like we're flat. Okay, <laughs> fine. You know, and if they spent their time doing that, congratulations, you the got one game. over on me, right? <laughs> but, like, you you let them believe, and then you did, you know, you, you this was a team that that if you had if you had gotten that lead, I genuinely think it would have been over. Like, today's point, it would have been over. They would have folded like an old... TV tray, right? Also, they, they were, can't throw the ball. Well, that's the thing that's that's the thing that's bugging <laughs> me, right? Is that a tech offense that can't throw the ball have averaged twenty point six yards per completion to UVA's twelve point nine? Like, what? Like that just is. I mean, like, and again, this was not a vintage tech defense. Like, this was not like again, like the, the frustration that everybody has about this is well placed. Like this, this, you know, I, you know, as much as you can like look at a game and go, this should not have happened. This really should not have happened, and again, I think that you don't you don't uh, you don't go after that punt. You get the ball. I mean, like again, this is a special teams unit that has been fair catching kickoffs all season. Why? Because they knew they just wanted to get their they wanted to give the offense the ball at the twenty five, and they didn't care about trying to get them any further than that. Because they did. So what's the difference? I understand, like, oh, they were you know, oh, they're you know, backed up against what? Who cares? Like. Just, just let your let your best player cook. I mean, ultimately, like it's almost like they don't understand on some level, like how to let your best dude cook, and that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like again, the aggression at the end of the first half, the aggression on that that third down call, and that nobody thought like, hey, maybe this isn't the right thing to do right now. Um, again, you're not throwing to an offensive lineman in the end zone, right? You're asking a dude. To run twenty yards against a zone defense on third down and goal—that's the other thing. Like it was a goal to go. Like you weren't even in a situation where like the defense was thirty yards downfield. They were right there. Like yeah, what else were they going to do? Like, half half the defense is just standing around. Even if technically they, wasn't goal to go. They only had they only had to get to they, the they one. They could have. That's down true. Down that's right. You was at the nine. They could have got it at the one. That's true. But even so, like they went. My thought when I went back and rewatched it, because okay, so where me and Dave sit, we're in the other end zone, right? When he caught it and got tackled, at first I was like, oh, it's probably like a no gain. Like he didn't get anywhere, like after he caught it. And then I look up at the scoreboard and they changed it to third and 13 or whatever it was. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that was a five yard loss. Um, or fourth and 14, I guess I should say, whatever it was. But like, even if that play, like, even if no one's on that side of the field for tech, I feel like somebody probably still could have caught him from like considering how far he had to go. Like if somebody's like in the middle of the field, they probably get over there in time. (laughs) And all right. So, and also you ran it to the wrong side because they ran that play against Florida and people bid on it because Perkins was rolling to his running side, the right side. Yeah. And then this time they ran to the right side where it's clearly not a uh, (laughs) Armstrong run because he's jogging. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, um, I want to take a, I want to take a step sort of back from, you know, the the very clear, uh, the very clear and pointed uh, criticism of the podcast, because I, I do want to have the big picture conversation. And, and I don't I think for some people, you know, there's a catharsis and just how like whack and completely wackadoo some of that was. Right. But I think there are a lot of people who 
you know, went back to work this week and were like, dang, you know what I mean? And who, who might be sitting there, you know, hoping for some sort of, you know, opportunity to not, not just, you know, have a cathartic sort of, you know, listening to us gripe about it and, and, you know, agreeing with every point. Cause I, I can't imagine any of us have been wrong to this point, but I, I do want to have the big picture conversation. I think Damon's piece did a really good job of really illustrating it. I, I think given where Virginia football is right now, given where the program is and from a fundraising standpoint, from a facility standpoint, from, I mean, you look at the, the attendance for this game, attendance across the season. Granted, there's a lot more that goes into that than just people are excited about the who's, right? But I, I just want to have that big picture conversation. Dave, as the as the one of us who obviously has been, you know, living and dying with the who's for as long as you have, where are you in your fandom right now? I mean, obviously, you're not going to ever turn your back on them. I'm not, you know, saying that. <laughs> but has, 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 you know, is the thrill gone? I mean, like, with them, with this staff, I mean, like, where where are you? in the big picture right now. I mean, I'm not in a good place right now. Like it's, you know, I, I was making bowl attendance plans prior to the game. You know, um, now I'm like, I really don't care where they play unless they play in Fishersville. I'm probably not going. Um, I mean, I'll watch the game, but you know, I spent a lot of money watching the team this year and I've spent a lot of, a lot of money watching the team over the last, you know, during all the Broncos tenure and prior to that. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like everyone kind of, probably if I could just show you what I was feeling, you'd, you'd understand it. Cause everyone's probably this at the same place, but like right now I just feel like you, you got to beat your rival. That, that's look, we didn't bring Bronco here just to be tech, right? We, we brought him here because we were tired of not having a bowl game. Um, and, and to his credit, five in a row is wonderful, but he's also had the benefit of a much easier schedule than Mike London did. Um, you know, say for the years we've had, you know, we couldn't get out of the BYU game and Notre Dame drove through a couple of times. Um, but he's not playing Southern Cal or, you know, Oregon or, you know, since that first year, second year he played Oregon. So he's had some decent schedules um, to kind of help him get there. And, you know, so to, so to that, great. You know, to, to that, I, I'm appreciative. Like, I, I like us being competent, but, uh, and I don't want to, to poo-poo that. Um, and, and all the culture stuff he's put in place, like Virginia needed it. Like, you know, it was, I think he's coming, he's done a great job identifying weaknesses in the infrastructure. They've, they've, they've improved like internal support staff, all that stuff. Like, and they've, they've done a good job engaging alumni and and being, you know, the football alumni. Um, obviously it hasn't done much on the fundraising as much as we'd like on the fundraising side to get the operations center done. Um, but, and maybe you guys could, will disagree, but to me, like, you know, it, the staff feels like they're kind of disconnected from the casual fan here. Like, we all love them. Like, we, we love them. We, you know, we were very supportive of them during the 18th season, 19th season, after, you know, especially after the first year we got to getting through two and 10. Um, but where I am kind of right now after after that one was, you know, I've been supportive and, and bought into all this stuff because I, I knew it was going to take a while. Like, you're not going to come into Virginia and, and turn it into a national powerhouse. Um, I don't know what the timeline is for that. <laughs> like, I don't, it might take you 10 or 20 years to do that. And, you know, good discussion for the offseason. But, but that's not going to happen overnight. Um, but the – at some point, like, you know, just because of everything we talked about, like beating tech is important. Beating tech when you're better than them is absolutely important. Um, beating, you know, and then 
when you're a defensive coach and you come in and you've had the struggles you've had with a staff that look, the offensive staff, I think we've spent the first part of this podcast talking about the offense and criticizing one play, but I'm fine with everyone on the offensive staff keeping their job. Like there's no one on the offensive staff I'm not happy with. And I like he he's earned like he had a <laughs> you know, he had a wonderful offense this year. Beck's done an amazing job with quarterbacks. Um, you know, obviously we got Hagans and and, and two J like those guys have done done well. Like I have no problem with them. But the defensive staff, not only do they not like not only has the defense been absolute garbage since Bryce Hall got hurt in 2019 um and continued to get worse, like you don't get any like they're, they're maybe I'm wrong, but to me, I don't feel attached to the defensive staff at all. Um, you've seen Nick Howells. Like, if your defense is gonna be bad, you can't be that big of a jerk. Um, I don't know him personally, I'm just going by his interviews, and that's the only time he has a chance to talk to the fans. So, if that's how little he thinks about us, we're not gonna support you when you're bad, right? Um, so to me, like, something's got to be done on the defense, A, because the defense is terrible, um, and B, because I think it's a chance for you to say I am more loyal to my job and my fan base than I am the guys I brought across the country with me. And that's what I'm looking for the next few weeks. If there's not a change, like don't give me a title change. You did that last year. You brought Brumfield over to the secondary. Only thing you did was made special teams worse. Um, you know, our special teams took a big step forward when we had Brumfield focused on them completely. You know, that was his, his gig. Now Drew Myers doing a lot of that stuff. And the special teams went backwards this year. You know, they weren't a plus at all. Um, and the secondary did not improve one iota, despite having multiple players back, you know, guys who wouldn't have been back if COVID didn't exist. So you got two problems. You got a defense you don't like and, and a staff, you know, the defensive fans don't like and a staff the fans don't feel close to. So to me, like, you know, I've tweeted it. I put it on the board. Like Poindexter is out there come up with the money. Look, trust me, there are a, there is a donor or two or many who will support paying whatever it takes to get that guy back in Charlottesville. And guess what? He's pretty good in the secondary and he's got experience being a co DC at, at a big, two big 10 programs. Um, and you want to ingratiate yourself with the fan base and maybe earn some of those dudes back who left the stadium Saturday night. That's how you do it. Yeah. The, your point there is exactly where I was thinking when Damon said earlier that he, you know, Bronco's not going to get those fans back. I, I have never, and I'm not going to change that tonight. I'm not going to get into like, oh, do this, do that. Um, I, I don't think that anybody, you know, your jobs are, I mean, that's somebody else's decision. All I know is results, right? And to me, you, you in, in last, at the end of last season, Virginia made a series of coaching reassignments, right? You move, you move some people around specifically to take care of specific things. Those things not only did not get better, they got considerably worse this year. And the entire defense, I thought, suffered because of it. Now, you could say, okay, we need to put it back where it was and make some other changes. But you got to address it in some fashion. Now, maybe that's the fashion they choose. And certainly, if Virginia were to bring back Dex, if that was the thing that happened, that would the, the amount of goodwill that that would earn from the fan base, it not only shows action, which is some, one of the reasons why Bronco is so revered or was so revered at least over, you know, over the first few years, that sense of action plus the who of it all. Right. I, I think my biggest thing when I look at the big picture is that historically speaking, and I've said this before, like when I listen to Bronco talk, he clearly is somebody who understands and who gets it. So what's the problem, right? Because 
I've never I've never listened to a coach and thought, man, this this guy's gonna have success more than I do when I hear Bronco. But that that those times are kind of more in the past now. Now that he's got more of you know his own guys, not not Mike London's recruits, right? Not guys that he's doing a good job of teaching up. These are guys that he's got to bring in and develop on his own. You you can't argue with it. And I think Dave's point about you know we spent that much time talking about one play on offense. I think that's because we all we all just understand that the defense was trash can yeah. juice. We're you just know? like yeah, the defense is bad. We're just used to it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the focal point of the of the, the the play. I mean, realistically, is because of all the things that we knew were going to happen in that game, right? We knew we knew Virginia was going to make Virginia Tech's offense look like the New York Jets, right? That's not the actual now Jets. That's a quote from Remember the Titans, for the record. Um, like, we knew they were going to make the Hokies look better than they actually were. The trick was that you didn't think that on third and eight from the, or excuse me, a third and eight from the nine, they were going to throw back to an offensive lineman. But I think in the big picture, Action has to happen, right? There has to be something that fans can sort of glom onto, right? Something they can connect with. Because at this point, the results, and to Ferber's point, you know, an hour ago it feels like, like you're not going to get, you're not going to have success. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to turn this thing around by sort of doing what you've already tried and failed at, right? You're not going to, you know, you're not going to turn around what how people feel about this season by just doing it again, right? Like, if you win this game, everybody feels differently, and that's just the way it is. And maybe it's not fair that 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 this one game can, takes you know that so much rides on it. But in the totality of circumstances, like it's impossible to ignore just how deflating this thing was. How like, how like debilitating it's not it's not something you're gonna just you know let's move past it you know like you get to spring ball and if there aren't some changes and there aren't some you know some people don't have something to like really like feel like they're you're they're gonna build on I mean who knows how many people are gonna be at these games next year and that's not where you want to be as a program regardless of you know if Virginia can't you know can't walk up and drop 200 and some odd million on a coaching staff that's that's fine nobody expects that today's point earlier but what's the big picture look like, right? Because right now, the fan base is checked out. I mean, it, they weren't exactly there, even 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 in the situation they were in, right? Where you had this, like, once-in-a-generation sort of season for a quarterback, right? They weren't flocking to Scott Stadium to see him play anyway. And I, I, if you're a fan listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, what what? What am I? What am I excited about? Like that's part of it. You know what I mean? Like there's just a, there's like a dearth of like, optimism for a reason right now, and that's understandable. Ferber, give me your your big picture. Give me the. Let's go to Damon. He hasn't talked in like an hour. No, he he, he talked a minute ago. I, I, I'm not being mean to Damon. Big picture. No, um, all right, wait, hold on. No, no, let's let's go to Damon. Let's go to Damon. Yeah, let's, let's uh, go to Damon because Ferbert, Ferbert feels like he has something he wants to cap it with. So I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him do what he do. Let's Damon, go back what's... to Dave because he's been really. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to Brad because oh, he's definitely said enough tonight. I just feel bad. I feel like he's over there, like guys. I'm still here. <laughs> no, Damon's talked. He's face good. All right, Damon, tell me your big picture. What's your big? picture? Sorry, I wanted to jump in, but I couldn't figure out the raise my hand function. Oh, dude, I don't. I'm not looking at that thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm, kidding. <laughs> 
uh, I'm too busy talking. What are you talking about? Haven't you read any uh, of the reviews? Of no, the I do agree. There's absolutely no under no circumstances can they can they run this back at this point. The changes have to be made. Um, yeah, the defense has just it's it, it's been you know we 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 watched it all of all of this year. We watched. Like Dave said earlier, basically it can be traced back to when Bryce Hall got hurt on special teams at Miami. Uh, they have not been the same defense. I think a lot of that in 2019 was the combination losing Bryce Hall and some of those teams they played down the stretch. But that's a whole that's all water under the bridge at this point. But yeah, they they cannot run it back at this point defensively. Changes have to be made. The changes they tried to make last year are clearly did not work out and and i i don't like i've I've talked to a few people at uva and and tried to get their opinions of of you know is it going to be drastic do you think something crazy is going to happen and the 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 and and this is what i kind of fear too is that drastic for bronco is bronco reassumes defensive coordinator duties calls defensive plays um I just, I don't know. I, I understand the excitement about Dax. I completely do. Uh, and I also understand the the paranoia of him winding up in Blacksburg, which to me is not the most likely scenario, but, but I completely understand why, why there would be some paranoia about that, uh, about that whole situation. But I just, I, I don't know. I, the bigger, the bigger picture question I have is, because basically you made the move from Mike London to Bronco. And I think we'd all agree that the floor has been raised uh, there. Instead of being maybe like a four or five win team under London, they're a six or seven win team under Bronco, which gets you bowl eligible every year. But my question is, has, has maybe the program peaked under Bronco? Have we seen how, how good it can be? under Bronco and this coaching staff and, and they're clearly struggling even with, even with Brendan Armstrong doing what he did and the offense doing what it did this year, that still was only good to go six and six because the defense struggled so much and the peak, you know, Bryce Perkins and that 2019 team, those 2018 and 2019 teams, especially 2019 winning the coastal getting to the ACC title game and getting to an orange bowl is that the peak for this program under this current regime is, is, is are they capable of continuing to rise that floor, raise that floor? The unbroken growth that they talk about so much has clearly been broken. Now last year, you gave them kind of the benefit of the doubt because of the COVID situation, but, and then this year when they were six and two, you're like, okay, let's see how this winds up. And then they peter out down the stretch here, the, the final month of the season. So I don't know. I, I think big picture, I was talking to somebody about it today and it's just like Bronco's heart doesn't quite seem in it as much as, as much as he just seems, I don't know, tired maybe is the word or, and I think some of that probably is a reflection of the way some of these games went down the stretch, like the BYU game, uh, the pit game and, and then Saturday night. But he, he just, I don't know. He just, as I mentioned earlier, there doesn't just see there just doesn't seem to be that same attention to detail in every aspect that there was in year one, year two, year three, year four. I don't know if maybe just all the added responsibilities that came with COVID and all the things that have changed around the game with NIL and the transfer portal and things that he's pretty outspoken about 
not being a big fan of, you just wonder how much this stuff, that stuff's wearing on him as well. And I don't know. It's, but long story short, I definitely think changes need to be, changes need to be made in this off season. And, and they can't just be cosmetic. They have to be legitimate, real changes. And maybe it's time for Bronco to step outside of his comfort zone a little bit. I know he likes to keep things within his circle of trust when it comes to guys on his staff, guys who played for him, guys who've coached with him. Uh, maybe it's time that either he steps out of that comfort zone or he's maybe kind of forced to step outside of that comfort zone a little bit because things have stagnated. I think we'd all agree on that. And, and uh, things need to change if they want to get it trending in the right direction again, like it was a couple of years ago. All right, Ferber, here's your opportunity um, <laughs> to finally talk. No, um, I, I think that it's clear, um, you know, to Damon's points about the, you know, the the staff and, and changes and such. It's very clear that it's not just that, like, they need to make these changes in order to, like, appease fans or whatever, right? This is stuff that has to change in order for them to be better. What's your big picture view of this whole thing? What's your what's your what's your outlook? How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with what you just said. I think it's not just like, hey, let's just show people that we're doing something, which you've definitely seen with other coaching staffs and maybe even at UVA at different times. Um, I think I think it's you just have to be better on defense in particular. Like, and that's I agree with what Dave said earlier. I don't have any issues with anybody on the offensive staff keeping their jobs. I think you should try to do everything you can to keep Jason Beck and Marcus Higgins around, whether that means increasing their compensation or whatever you have to do. Um, in the long run. And I did a pretty good job this year, obviously, you know, some issues here and there, but um, no issues overall for him, you know, for me. So the defense has been training in the wrong direction, not just this year, but for several years. Um, Bronco also talks a lot about brutal facts. I think he needs to acknowledge the brutal facts. Um, The defense has been not just getting worse, not just not good. They've been horrible. Like, in the, like, just look at the stats. They've given up 300 yards rushing three times this year. Like, that's unacceptable. They've given up 59 points twice. And not to, you know, Alabama. <laughs> you know, they did it against BYU and North Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, they, they just have to improve in that area. And, and I think if I had to put my finger on one thing, I would say my guess, and there's no way to quantify this, right? But my guess is that when they had more talent, or guys that fit the schemes better, maybe more athletic players. Um, they were able to sort of like come up with schemes that put them in a good spot. And with the guys they have now, they're just not really finding ways to do that. Like their defense was built on creating pressure, which created bad plays. Um, they don't get pressure anymore. Like, I don't know where they rank nationally in sacks, but I guarantee it's not good. Um they're not even manufacturing pressure. Like there's not, it's not like, Oh, the quarterbacks are, they're running different schemes to avoid the pressure, get the ball out quicker. No, they just don't get pressure. Um, so something's got to change. Like, and, and, you know, as far as point extra goes, like I, that'd be great. But I also think there's a lot of hurdles to make that happen. I mean, you're asking a guy to potentially leave a pretty good job for a, a job that we're all talking about. Like, you know, not a lot of people are happy with right now, how things are going. Um, and that kind of takes me to the big picture point, which is that, you know, a lot of people want change. I, you know, there are people that wanted Bronco fired after they lost to like Wake Forest, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But um, I think that Damon was onto something when he said like he moved this, the window up a little bit, the Overton window or whatever, 
um, you want to call this, um, up to like a bowl team a little bit better. And I, I think, you know, some of Mike's teams might've been a little better if the schedule was easier, but, um, but yeah, maybe this is it. And, and eventually complacency sets in the fans get irritated. Think about all the people like six years ago that were like, Hey, if we can just consistently make bowl games, I'll never complain. Like people, eventually people get worn out with going six and six or whatever, like, and then they do start to complain. So, and I think they're reaching that stage. Um, I don't, I've always kind of felt like Bronco would be here for a while, but not forever, you know, like, but I always assumed he would just retire like a little younger than maybe people expect because he seems to be the kind of guy that has other interests besides this. Um, And now all of his kids are sort of grown up. So, I mean, I don't know if he really needs to like, they're not in school or whatever anymore. I don't know. Um, But they have to do something like, and, 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 my big picture thing is it's not just on him. It's on the university. It's on donors, right? You want to make this job better. You want to get better recruits. Like they need a better football facility. And and to be quite honest with you, people haven't stepped up and given money. People aren't going to the games as much. Um, the athletic department isn't doing whatever they need to be doing. The university isn't doing whatever they need to be doing to make that happen. And you're seeing the dividends not, you know, not pay off in recruiting. Um, this staff is probably never going to be like a super, super great recruiting staff. Um, but when you give them one more impediment, which is lack of investment, lack of good facilities, that's just one more thing that's in the way. And right now it's a problem and they have to fix it. Or, you know, like if Bronco retired tomorrow, you're going to have a harder time getting a new coach if you can't give him that, because this is something that was promised to Bronco when he took this job, he mentioned it in his opening press conference, how important a new football facility is. And here we sit six years later and they haven't done anything about it. So, I mean, something's got to be done there, whether it's during this staff or whatever, you know, going forward. Um, I think that Bronco has definitely put UVA in a better place. But, I, you know, if he doesn't make the changes, it will be his own, like, willful, like, neglect of the brutal facts that will be their undoing. Because I understand his loyalty to the guys that came across the country with him. But like I said in the piece, I don't think there's a lot of other power five programs knocking on the door for Nick Howell, right? Like, or some of these other guys. And, you know, you you have to have good coaches. You have to have dynamic recruiters. And if you just want to have guys that you know, then the results will eventually show unless they're really, really good coaches. And, you know, there ain't a lot of those. So they got to do something. If they don't do anything this year, I will be, I will be the first person to say like, it's unacceptable. And, um, you know, people, people should be mad about it because it, it would be in directly flying in the face of everything that he says this program is supposed to stand for. I want to, I want to make a point real quick. There seems to be this mindset that like facilities, like, <laughs> like you spend some money, you build a facility and like all of a sudden just, you know, recruits just falling out of the sky. Right. Sure. Like, like the reality is, is that Virginia is in desperate need in absolute desperate need of upgraded facilities. And yet, I look at this team and I think, like, the issues that, that we're talking about, largely, like, yeah, some of it is a Jimmy's and Joe's sort of situation. Um, but a lot of it is just, like, X's and O's and who's making decisions and what decisions are they making, right? And I look yeah, at this and I say... Yeah, the facility doesn't have anything to do with the throwback. Right, and it's like... The other yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, they absolutely need these facilities. And the program needs to sort of follow through on the, on the promise that it made to Bronco all those years ago. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but it, it, you would almost think that like, well, they can't get better recruits, but they, 
you you watch the games and man, they are really competent teams that make a lot of good decisions in the coaching. There's none of that like that that little disconnect is still there, right? And so I look at it and I say, like, you're absolutely right. Like, everything you just said is absolutely right. And at the same time, I think, man, it should be it should be so crystal clear that the lack of facilities is killing the program because the, the coaches are doing such a good job of coaching up the guys they have and making the decisions on the field to put them in the best spots. Like, even if Virginia yeah, was losing fair. games, you know what I mean? Like, even if Virginia was losing games, folks should be looking at the program going, man – Really wish we could get better recruits. You know that would be the the next step. You know we we just don't have this guy or that guy, and our and our facilities are certainly hurting us. But man, I'm really I'm really excited by the you know what I'm seeing on the field. Now you could say that about the offense this year. They took so many leaps forward. Like I mean, in all of Bryce's day, like it, he was great. But what Brennan has done this year and what the offense has looked like, even without like a consistent running game, has been nothing short of absolutely impressive. And I, and I don't want to just gloss over that because I, I think that's actually a big part of this story and why people are so dang frustrated, right? It's like you had a once-in-a-generation sort of player. He's going to probably going to break the – and you ended up 6-6. Six and six. You know, you, you didn't even – you couldn't even carry the flag. You know what I mean? They put um, two guys on the all-ACC first team at receiver and tight end. Like, imagine saying that to somebody like three years ago. Like, that makes – you know, it's like ridiculous. Um, and the one thing I will say, just one more thing. On the defense, I don't blame the assistant coaches. I blame Bronco. Like, he's a defensive guy. Like, and this is where I think there's a disconnect for me anyway. I don't think, unless he is just like an alien, there's no way that, like, he has the answers to the defense and he's not, like, helping. Like, he has – I mean, he sees how bad they are. It's not like he, like, isn't in defensive meetings or anything anymore. Like, he has to be involved. So he doesn't have the answers either. Or he's just a terrible manager of employees. Um, so I mean, I I think they got to find somebody else that can come in and try to like take a, a different look at things. All right, Dave. I'm On defense, let, Dave. I'm <laughs> going to let you have sort of the last word here. What are, what are your what, how you how you feeling? Uh, just one word. <laughs> um, look, I mean, I think everyone's made great points tonight. Um, look, I, I don't think you can. Like, I'm not of the belief that. Bronco and the staff are letting us down by being a bowl team. Like I look, I it, it's the same thing Virginia Tech's going to go through the next 10 years as they realize like the Michael Vick years are were a flash in the pan. Like the game is changing. Like yeah, you're not going to be a Virginia, you're not going to be even Carolina. Like look how good we Carolina recruiting they can't win. Like it's hard. Like you can't recruit, you can't stack 85 four and five stars that's what you got to have to win it all so if your goal is to like have that you know is to get that shot at the title those days are long gone uh, you're, you're yeah, not doing not that unless happen. you're a blue book so what your goal is as, a, as an institution like virginia um that does care about doing it the right way is to to be what bronco would have wanted would have been if they won against virginia tech you know seven and five beating your rival consistently and occasionally having, you know, a nine or 10 win season when everything breaks right for you. That's all he had to do. And, you know, now he's six and six and everything like you could last year's year, last year's result would have been tossed out, you know, as a fluke COVID thing. Now you use it to say, Hey, we're, it's not unbroken growth. It's any, you know, if anything, we're rolling down the hill. Um, so that's where I'm coming at it from. Like, I'm not expecting you to make us win a national title. I know that's not 
like it, it would take the freakiest of freaky thing. Even when they, even if and when they expand the playoff to twelve teams, look, one's going to be twelve or whatever. Like those upsets are going to be so rare. Like the UMBC thing, you know, it might take thirty years for that to happen. Um, in that situation, so like I, I'm, I'm not coming at it like I think we got to win titles. You've just got to be consistently good and occasionally great. And I think that is achievable. And, you know, you guys mentioned all the coaches. I've already said, you know, I think you need to have a, a change on the defensive side. Um, look, you know, when Bronco came in here, he's so big. The thing I love about him is like I, I've prior to this season, like I think almost prior to every season, I go back and watch his introduction to press conference because it kind of it's fun to see where we are compared to where he, he said we needed to be when he came in here. And you know, he always talks about organizational theory and all this stuff. And if he truly buys into that stuff, like he talks about it, you cannot be a CEO and see your defense be that bad for two and a half years. Like, so 2019, you could have blamed it on, we lost Bryce Hall and we didn't adjust, right? 2020, you could have said, well, you know, it was COVID. We couldn't have full con. We couldn't have a spring. Like you can, you can argue, okay, it wasn't a normal season. Let's see a full year of our defense. But to me, like going to a three-three-five this year, this spring, this season, it didn't work. So my fear is they just blame it on the on the scheme change. Um, but to me, like a, a good CEO would say, "Hey, it, it's time to change some parts," which which is where the coaching stuff comes in. So if he doesn't do that, it kind of I don't know if it invalidates everything he kind of preaches, but it it definitely makes it less genuine, right? So for that that reason, like I, I expect to see some changes. I still like Bronco. I think he's a good guy. I think you can't remember who said he looks a little tired this year. Yeah, I get that too. And um and I don't want to I don't I don't know whether to say this or not, but um I think one thing Bronco has, we kind of mentioned like how he had some London, like you know, his decision kind of remind, reminded you of London and the timeouts. Um well, his personality when things aren't going well and the fan base is outraged is a little outgrow, um, which is great when things are high, right? Or when it's just a, it's a minor setback that you recover from. And that, that steady, quiet, not getting overhyped, that works when things are well. But it doesn't always make your fan base happy. Um, like the tone of that press conference was was really bad. And look, I get it. Bronco had to go recruit yesterday, but I was really hoping he'd be on the coach's show last night and kind of reach, start reaching back out. Um, so like you, you can be like, I know he's not the most social guy or anything like that, but he needs to realize like right now, this is a, this is a time when he needs to be going out of his way. You know, I know recruiting is important. Um, they don't seem to be going to visit a lot of new guys right now. Take a day or two, reach out to your fans, like live up, you know, Put some stuff out there. Get them back because right now they they are not happy. Um, so I mean, I I need to see a change. Like I'll be back next year, um, but I will tell you, like the thought of not doing a season ticket did cross my cross my mind because not just because of that. Like my life's changing too. But um, can I just say real quick? Yeah. Can I just yeah. chime in here? That yeah. folks, let me tell you what. I have never met anybody who loves going to a football game more than David Spence loves going to a football game. <laughs> And if that thought went through his mind, that is a bad, bad, bad sign for the program, 
for any sort of you know quote unquote momentum and everything in between. Um, yeah, I, I think the crazy thing is they're set up to be good next year if you look at the schedule. Yeah, like they well, really could be, but it will depend on who comes back and what they do. Because if the defense is as bad as it was this year, they probably won't win that many games because you're going to lose four or five by default. I kind of want to yeah. go back to the CEO thing real quick. Like, uh, I mean, we've obviously been talking about this for a long time, so I'm not going to you know you know just keep repeating everything. But I think that it's a very it's a very apt time to discuss this. Like a couple of years ago, Bronco said, "Like, hey, you know what? We're we're kind of in a good place right now. We've had you know uh, unbreakable growth and all this fun stuff. He's going to kind of transition into a different role. He's going to be more CEO like. Okay, that's great. All right, your company is kind of falling apart, right? Your de- you, you were very hands on for your defense, and it clearly uh, it, it's not working. And you know, I'm not saying that if you know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a CEO. If Tim Cook in, in Apple, all of a sudden. No, no, we're not definitely not going Logan Roy. If T, if Tim Cook, whose background was in operations, right? If all of a sudden the iPhone stopped selling so well, I don't think Tim Cook would be like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to keep trying to make different ones. No, you'd have to figure out, you know, some you'd have to get back in it. You know, you can't be you can't be sort of above the fray. And I understand that part of this is like, oh, um, you know, Bronco's able to do a lot more now because he's in more of a sort of CEO role. The reality is, is that like, what's he always say about, you know, your, your organization gets the results that it's prepared for or that's designed for, right? Designed to achieve. Designed to achieve. I mean, come on, man. Like your offense at this point, you know, if you're going to keep an eye and, and, and Armstrong's back and you have some of those receivers and I mean, that thing is going to cook. It doesn't need your attention. Maybe it did on that third down, but it doesn't need your attention. What needs attention is the defense. And again, I'm not, uh, this is my personal thing. I'm not going to get on podcasts as as much as possible and call and say like, hey, this guy needs to be this and that guy. No, I just, I'm just saying that like whatever it takes to both have better results and get fans excited about Virginia football, that's probably what they need to do, Right. And somebody needs to decide what those things are. If that means Bronco's going to take a more hands-on role, he's essentially going to become the defensive coordinator again, and he's going to shift some things around, you know what? Maybe that's the maybe that's the track they take. And in talking to different people, that seems to be the one most folks think he would take. Now, not necessarily that he will. I don't know of any other you know post-tech conversations. This is all based on you know people who know like the the people involved, right? People who who sort of understand the way that these folks tick. Um, I don't know if Carlo is going to put him in a position where he has to make changes. I'm certainly not aware of you know how much control he does or doesn't have. I'm just going to look at the big picture and say if he wants to be the CEO of a company who you know and he's de- he's designing the organization to get the results that it should get, shouldn't he want to change like like that's I think the thing that for me like I again I'm very sensitive to the idea of like calling for coaches to be fired. But at the same time I'm like like, doesn't Bronco want this thing to work? Because if he wants it to work and he looks around, like, it, like there's something wrong. Like, there's something that's not working. Don't you want to fix that? You know, don't you want to, like, do something different? And shouldn't you, you know, shouldn't you be unafraid? I mean, like, I guess, he, you know, he fired Bob and I once, right? Like, there, there, there has to, there, I don't know if you can say that they're, um, you know, it's that that the exact problem is X. And so we're going to fix X. I mean, you got to hit this thing with as many antibiotics as you got. Because it's bad, man. Like, that defense had too much talent and too much experience to be as bad as it was the last two seasons. It just it just did. Now, maybe you're like, oh, 
you know, this player, you know, maybe we, we put too much weight on him and he, he, he was playing out of position compared to where he was before. Okay, great. Who made the decision to put the weight on him? Like, you know, you, last year you weren't tough. I didn't think even this year, you know, defensively they were that tough. You know, I thought the, the, the toughest group I saw all season was the wide receivers and the quarterback. I mean, they were the ones, you know, breaking, you know, tackles and uh, really kind of imposing their will on people. Um, it, I just think that there's a whole lot that needs to be addressed. And if Bronco wants to stay in a CEO role, then, man, you got to start getting to CEO in. Um, and if he wants to fall back and be, you know, kind of more hands-on coach, okay, well then what is, what's the plan? You know, what's the play? Uh, I think that's kind of where I am on it, which is like um, at, at his most basic level, like the dude is paid money to, 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 to make an organization. That was the biggest change from the London years, right? He was going to come in. He had, you know, succession planning, and there was, you know, books for this and books for that and binders for this. And now I'm like, what's the binder say for when you go six and six with a generational talent at quarterback? What's the binder say when you give up 464 yards to a tech offense that couldn't, like, get itself out of a wet paper bag, right? Like, come on, man. There's got to be, there's got to be something. There's something has to happen. There's got to be some forward momentum to, to, you know, to essentially get the thing going. And more of the same is only going to make it all the more worse. So, anyway. All right, anybody else got anything good for the uh, good of the order before we wrap up this week? We've only been talking forever. All right, let's get into that baseball schedule. <laughs> Damon would love nothing more, I would imagine, than to change subjects and talk about uh, baseball. Um, yeah, between the – yeah, this is going to be like an hour and a half show. This is uh, – Hey, if you stuck with us this long, more power to you. Um, but seriously, anybody else got anything else before we wrap up? We're all good? Everybody all talked out? Uh, shout out to Cavman. Great 20-plus. Yeah, Thanks, yeah, Kim. Kim. Yeah, good job, man. I loved uh, I loved Ferber's tweet on it about the seeing the kids all excited when he would come out of the tunnel. That's true. Um, Bring Dex home. Dave, Dave, Dave's got one. Dave's a one-track trick pony right now. It's like I can't think of a I can't think of a more cost-efficient way to get this fan back on your side. It 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 would be it would be a hell of a swing. I will say that it would be a hell of a swing. Um, he got a hell of a swing. I can tell you how to do it without firing a coach. Just give me a call, Bronco. All right, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined, even after this uh, uh, marathon of a show, to give us a rating review, we appreciate that. Uh, if you have complaints, you can send those to Ferber. Now, if you're somebody who found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website, you can check us out, capscorner.com. I mentioned those two pieces that, uh, that Ferber and Damon wrote, the take two and uh, the, the piece that Damon did on the staff's you know, loss of equity. Um, they're on the site, obviously, right now. Uh, Damon put together one of the, the most unique features I've ever seen on CavsCorner.com where he recast Rudolph with the UVA basketball team. And I swear to God, after the weekend, that was like exactly the palate cleanser I needed. Um, so you definitely need to check that out. Uh, <laughs> five-star point guard London Johnson is going to make his decision soon, and uh, we've got a story about him. Um, despite my... My my tweets to this to the contrary. Damon put together a, a story about basically by the numbers and looking at the all ACC quarterback voting. Um, when and I think he he came to a, a conclusion that makes sense, even if I don't think it makes sense. Um, let's see. Uh, Virginia picked up a quarterback commit this week uh, in the Crawford kid. Uh, so we got something on the lofty comp uh, for him, and then also the the PFF grades are on the site as well. All right, I want to say thank you to Andy Ludicky from uh, myperfectfranchise.net for more information on, on them. Check out their website. 
Find out how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dave Ferber and Damon for giving graciously their time, as always, both tonight and all season long. I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, Damon Dillman, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.